Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning. It is good to see you all here today. Um, I want to say good morning to the folks online. Online fam, how you doing? It's good to, good to see you. Good to be with you here uh, this morning. And I, I have to tell you that this is, uh, uh, this is a, a special day for me. Um, a special day for all of us uh, because when the Lord answers prayers, uh, that's when you get to stop and you get to give him glory. Um, and so I just want you to know, Brother Paul, it is good to see you this morning, and we're glad that you're back with us again today. Amen. Uh, church, we are continuing in our journey through the book of Ephesians. If this is new for you, um, I want you to know that um, you, you've only missed two weeks. This is week three, and, uh, and I usually say this because I think it gives some context. We've only made it to verse 14 of chapter one, so you're okay, all right? So uh, today we're only going to be covering eight more verses because this letter is, this letter is good, this comes from a special place in Paul's heart. As he's writing to the church in Ephesus, they have this, this, this special affection from him because of their faithfulness. And if that sounds familiar, it should because in Jesus' ministry in three years, if you go back and look at what, is, what it was that consistently moved Jesus, it was the faith of those he came across. It wasn't their great works and it wasn't you know, what it was that they could repeat. It was how, they, how much they believed in him and believed that he was who he said he was. And so Paul has that same heart for the church in Ephesus. We're going to be spending some time in God's word this morning, and so I want to invite you, get your Bible apps open, get your devices out. If you need a Bible, if you like turning pages, we got those too. So just raise your hand, and usher will bring one to you, and we're going to do this together. This faith is so encouraging for Paul that he begins walking them through this rich and deep and even complex understanding of who they are in Christ Jesus. Even to the point as our brother Scott so graciously and gracefully guided us through last week that he helps them to understand that they were chosen before the foundations of the world. Okay, and if you missed Scott's sermon last week, I'm going to encourage you, go back and watch that. That's some good stuff right there. That's some meat and potatoes stuff for us and our faith. So this morning, let's continue um, reading and processing this letter together so that we can do this with our eyes wide open. With our eyes wide open. All right, we're going to start verse 15. This is in chapter 1 of Ephesians. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. Let's read this together. It's, um, it's not going to be on the screens. This whole part is not going to be on the screens, okay? So you're going to have to read this right here. But when we go through the sections, it will be on. So let's go ahead and read this. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us 
who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Would you pray with me, church? This morning, Lord, as in every first day of the week when we come together, is for you. It is about you. We come to worship you. We come to sit at your feet. So come and teach us today, Lord. Reveal to us what we still do not understand about you. Because that, Lord, means that we will be more fervent in our prayers, more fervent in our faith, more fervent in our walk as we follow you, Jesus. This is all yours, and we give it in your holy name. And we all said, amen. So Paul begins to share with them that what he understands, what he understands about, about them, about them is established through, a, through, a, through an established reputation. That's our first point this morning, that the church in Ephesus has an established reputation. Paul's been hearing about them, and he's been hearing about this fledgling church, this ecclesia in its infancy. And what is he hearing about? He's hearing about two specific things. He's hearing about their love, and he's hearing about their faith. See, they had a faith that was well spoken of and a love that was seen and known for the saints. And when you hear the word saints, I know the way I was raised, when I heard the word saints, that was in reference to those who had hair that was gray, skin that was a little wrinkly, they walked a little slower. And those were, those were our elders. Those were the ones that we loved and we gave special attention to. But that's not the Greek word that's here. It's referring to saints as being those who are the holy ones. Those were the holy ones. In other words, those who were part of them as they were followers of Jesus. So Paul is saying, listen, people are talking and I'm hearing about the fact that not only do you believe in Jesus Christ, but there's a fruit that testifies to it in that you have love for the saints. Now, isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't say, I'm hearing about the fact that you guys have an amazing outreach mission, uh, ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm not hearing that you guys are out doing these wonderful mission trips in different countries. He's saying what I'm hearing about you is your love for each other, the, the agape that you have for each other. Church, wouldn't it be cool if you heard that from other people about us? Wouldn't it be cool if somebody came up to you and said, you go to that church North Shore, right? Man, I'm hearing stuff about you guys. I'm hearing that you, you, you guys are just like really into Jesus. I mean, and, and you guys do things for each other. You guys bless each other. Man, where are you guys located? I want to come check you out. I want to come see. What they're really saying is, I want some of that. I want some of that. Wouldn't it be cool to be known for that? All right, let's keep going. Paul states that because of this faith and love, he never stops praying for them. It is an unceasing prayer, an unceasing prayer. In verse 17, actually I'm going to back up to verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of, Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having your eyes, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. See, he shares that he's praying for them to have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Now, he talks about the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom in the Greek comes from the word Sophia. So if any of you know a Sophia, be careful because those are wise women right there. I personally have not met a brother named Sophia, but I'm going to leave that door open. And then when he talks about revelation, I'm going to go to the glasses here because I want to make sure I get this right. Revelation comes from the Greek word apokalypsis. Apokalypsis, meaning to disclose. Or, and I love this word picture, the uncovering of one's head. And why, why exactly would Paul pray for a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of understanding? For him, it was very clear and simple. It was so that their eyes would be open. For opened eyes. Did you know that when a newborn comes out of her mother's womb, she can immediately make out shapes and colors right off the bat? Right off the bat. She can even begin to see that there's a line of difference between where there's light and where there's dark. But when it comes to things like depth or like peripheral vision or like different shades of colors, no, can't do that yet. As a matter of fact, she, she can't even see past 15 to 18 inches away from her face. But in time, her vision will develop, and she'll be able to see more, and she'll be able to process more, and she'll be able to understand more. And it's in that same heart that Paul is praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that their eyes would be open so that they could see more, so they could un understand more, be guide guided more into a deeper relationship with Jesus. You know, when I think of this concept of a, of a spirit of revelation, can I ask, have you ever had something revealed to you that after you knew what you, after it was revealed and you now know what you know and after you see what you didn't see before, your life changed? I know as I say that you might think of something or be reminded of something that's kind of difficult to remember. And while it was not my heart for that to bring that up, there is that reality of what it is that you now know that was revealed to you. But some of you remember something that was a wow moment, and it was huge blessing. I had that same kind of moment when I was 16 years old. I think that's kind of a dangerous time to have something revealed to you because you're really not that smart at that point. But you feel like you are. I was sitting in a Bible study under the mentorship of a brother who was very... He was very vital to my spiritual formation. And we were walking through the book of 1 John. And we get to 1 John chapter 2. And many of you know that 1 John 1 and 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, that is my life verse because of what happened in this moment. Now, I was raised within the Church of Christ. This is uh, a faith tradition that is very uh, doctrinally sound. Um, and has some real unique traditions. When they sing, there's no instruments. It's all a cappella. 
And let me tell you, there's, no, there's nothing more beautiful and nothing more challenging that all happens at the same time. But there's some other things that in the area of tradition began to morph itself over the years that went from being a tradition, and churches all have tradition, but it began to morph its way into a type of theology and then made its way into being doctrine. That wasn't necessarily the most healthy thing for the Church of Christ, but that's where I was raised. And we got to this, this part of Scripture right here, and you need to understand that one of the things that was part of how I was raised to understand what Christ did for me is that our salvation was based on works. It was based on what you did. And every day was a new day. And you could mess up, but you better get right. You better make it to next Sunday where you can get before the church and say, brothers and sisters, I have sinned and I repent of that sin and I ask for the prayers of the church. At which point all the brothers would go, amen. And you knew you were okay. And I know as you may hear that, you may just kind of feel the burden of that. Oh my gosh, what about the grace of Jesus? Yeah, that's a real good question. So when I get to verse 1, verse 1 in chapter 2 of, of 1 John, and John says, my little children, I write this to you that you may not sin, but when you do, and I went, hold on, what do you mean but when you do? There's no but when you do. The whole goal is not to. You're not supposed to sin, ever. And if you do, you better get straight real quick. But that's not what John says. He says, but when you do, we have one that goes before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he is the propitiation for our sins, meaning he's the one who stands in the gap. And when the Lord looks upon us in judgment of sin, because that is all that our holy God can do, he does not see our sin. He sees the blood of his son that covers us. Now, you have to understand, I read that for the first time at 16 years of age. What happened after that, I had to ask the Lord to forgive me because I went home and I had a conversation with my parents, who I believed was ultimately responsible for my spiritual formation. And you know a conversation isn't going to go well when it starts with, excuse me, but did you too know this? <laughs> I would not encourage you to start a conversation that way. But that's where I went, because I was angry. I was frustrated. Why would you keep this from me? Because I have been beating myself up over every time I've sinned. But this tells me that this isn't about my sin. This is more about what Jesus Christ did and has done and is continuing to do. That revelation was a tough moment. But I am so thankful. Thank you, Jesus for that moment. All right. So Paul is praying that their eyes be open to see what God has for them and what exactly does God have for them. Well, let's take a look at verses 18 and 19. I'm going to go back to the beginning of 18. It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? So Paul is praying that their eyes would be open so they would have a known hope, known riches, and known greatness. 
a hope church. A hope or a confident expectation that they have been called to, that we have been called to. You know, I have to tell you, when he starts talking about riches, that is a word that catches my attention because I have a pretty good imagination when it comes to riches. You know, there used to be this show on TV. This just came to me. It was called The Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. Y'all remember that show? That show was just ridiculous because they just showed people's lives that were just, that's not real. Nobody lives, nobody owns a yacht like that. Nobody lives in a house like that. They probably have more bathrooms than they could use. Who buys a place like that? But we watched it, didn't we? And I know that in this country, we are rich. We are blessed. We are blessed beyond our understanding. We really are. And when I think of riches, I get, I get curious. I, I do. Is there, I'm just curious. Is there anybody here who has ever sat in a Bentley before? Ever sat in one? You sat in one? What was it like? It was a car. Okay, that's not what I was looking for, but okay, all right. Because, see, I heard somebody describe it that the leather is like butter on the inside. Is, is it anything like? <laughs> You're a nice year. I heard Rick over here said, yep. <laughs> and I know this is the vain part of me. I'll go ahead and confess it. It is. And I'm never going to spend money. I'll never have money to buy a Bentley, but I'm curious. When we talk about riches, because I can imagine a lot of things, a lot of things, because people who are rich, they buy stuff that most of us don't even know about. They do. It's just, that you know, but Paul says that this is the riches of his glorious inheritance. Not just an inheritance, a glorious inheritance. Have you, have you ever inherited anything before? I mean, like a, like a car or maybe a house, or maybe, a, what was that? Debt. Ooh. Debt. <laughs> maybe you inherited a, you know, a trading card collection or something. But, you know, when you know what it is, it kind of takes some of the edge off of the expectation. But what happens when you inherit something and you don't know exactly what it is? Can I share with you that when my mother passed away, about two years later, I got a phone call from a financial institution that said, Mr. Thompson, I just want you to know that your mother had set up some accounts for your boys, and we have some paperwork we need you to fill out so that we can go ahead and transfer this money from us to you because you're the parent and custodian, the kids. I said, yes, I am. All right, we're going to send this information to you, fill it out, send it to us, and we'll get these funds transferred to you. I hung up the phone, and I thought to myself, because my mama didn't have any money, I thought, oh, that's nice. She probably, you know, Mama, you didn't have to do that. That's okay, you know. And I'm just going to be straight with you. A year went by. They called again. Damien, please. Did you get the paperwork? Yes, I got the paperwork. Did you fill it out? Yes, I filled it out. I didn't fill it out. I lied. I had to ask God to forgive me for that. I even sat there and hung up the phone and went, why did I just lie to them? And then I hung up the phone and I was like, all right, I'm going to get this done. Another year goes by, and they called me again, and they said, Mr. Thompson, 
I know you've got a lot going on with your family and everything, but if you could just please just go ahead and fill this stuff out. I said, and he was like, and, and could, you, could you fax it to me? And if you could do that, we would just really appreciate it because we want to go ahead and just get this taken care of because this is what we do. And I said, listen, I know my mother did this. And, and I said, I love my mama, but I said, it's okay. And, and here's what happened. Her tone changed. And she said, while I can't reveal or disclose to you the amount in these accounts, can I just say that I think it would be a blessing to your boys to have this? Did you just feel everything change right there? Did you just, did you catch that? All of a sudden it wasn't a little, it was, wait, what, what, what? And then I want to know, well, how come you can't tell me what's in there? I, I want to know now. now. Now she piqued my interest. I got off the phone, I filled out the paperwork, I asked God to forgive me because now all of a sudden the importance of it changed because of what might be there. I can tell you that when I did get it and I found out, my mother loved her, her boys. She loved her grandsons. And it was such a blessing. But just to think that this is, isn't, isn't even a grain of salt compared to the glorious inheritance that we have through the saints. And when he talks about immeasurable greatness, immeasurable greatness, I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm pretty visual. And so when it comes to something that's measured, this is what instantly came into my head. Because I am a sports fan, I thought of a football field. And the reason why I thought about a football field is because from goal line to goal line, it's always 100 yards, always. It doesn't matter if you're playing peewee football or Pop Warner JV or varsity in high school, college, or whether you're playing in the pros, it's 100 yards. You can go up to Canada, and there's a 55-yard line, and that's just weird, but we won't get into that. And in my head, I was thinking, because my eyesight's still pretty good, and I'm looking, stop laughing, as I'm looking out, and I imagined that there was this football field that just didn't end. It just kept going. And I mean by keep going is you start running, you start sprinting, and you've run 100 yards, 200 yards, 500 yards, 1,500 yards, and the field just keeps going because there's no measure to it. There's no measure to it. It just keeps. See, I was thinking, well, I could talk about the ocean because we look out and we can't see where it ends, but we know that it's been mapped, and we know that on the other side of the Pacific Ocean, there's an end to it. But can you imagine greatness that has no end? Because it is immeasurable. And here's the real beautiful part. That immeasurable greatness of his power is toward us who believe. So it's not sitting out there on display for its own splendor and glory for us to look upon it and go, wow, isn't that awesome? That immeasurable greatness of his power is towards us who believe. So Paul wants our eyes to be open so that we would know that we have a known hope, that we have a known, we have known riches, and we have known greatness. And he put it all on display for the world to see when he raised Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and said, Christ is far above. This is our next point. Christ is far above all rule and authority, 
all power and dominion and above every name that is named. Let's read this in verses 20 and 21. He says, um, and I'll back up just a little bit so we make some sense. According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. A couple things to note here, church. To be seated at the right hand of someone was a position of favor, or it was a really good look. It looked good when people saw you sitting at the right hand of somebody. And to be seated at the right hand of a king, well, that was a whole nother level of importance because that said you were the next most important person to the king. And you might even be somebody who is in line to inherit that throne. So what does that mean when we look and we see that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God? And the second thing, church, I want you to note here is, is this. It doesn't say that Christ was seated above all power and authority. It says that he is seated far above. Far above. Far above like a Big Mac being one thing. I'm really not a McDonald's person. I'm a Nick's Jr. person. I know that was a shameless plug. I don't care. It's the most amazing burger. If you've never had one before, go. But you even take that burger and then measure that up to uh, an eight-ounce filet down at Daniel's Broiler. Come on. Come on. Really? Yeah, but it's, no, it's not. And there's even those of us who would sit there and go, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart that you think that hamburger is so good. But it's not. Because that experience down there that we pick up a knife and fork and somebody has seated you and you're, you're being waited upon, that's a whole nother thing. It is far above. And today in our world, when we think about, when we think about rule and authority, when we think about power and dominion, there might be countries we think of, there might be individuals who are empowered because they were elected or they were appointed or perhaps they took that power. Christ far above, far above. And when you think about a name that is above every name that is and is to come, when we think of names, some of us might think of some amazing people, some amazing men and women who have made accomplishments that may not ever be matched. And yet, far above, Christ is far above far above. So, as we wrap this up this morning, church, you might be asking, as far as our next steps, you might be saying, so now what? So, Damien, you've, you've kind of walked us through this. You've, you've helped me understand that a reputation that's grounded in, in faith in Jesus and love for the saints is, is, is something that's worth having. You now see where Paul prayed for a spirit of, of wisdom and of revelation so the purpose that our eyes would be open and we could see that we have a hope and we have riches and we have greatness that is all centered in Jesus Christ who is far above.
So now we know all this. So, so now what? Well, church, can I, can I just speak to something as a parent? Because I'm still one of those. And some of y'all understand the burden of that statement right there. Over my years, over our years, Alec and I have purchased things for our boys because they need them. And there was some practical, practical application to it. Like one of those being a raincoat. Because we live in the Pacific Northwest west, where it rains. So you can imagine the joy in the morning when I go to take them to school and they go to get out of the car and I go, hold on. It's raining outside. Where's your coat? And there's that stare. And I said, well, you remember the coat that I just got you, the new one from Costco. That's where we buy our coats. You do have it, don't you? Well, yeah. Well, where is it? It's at home. <sighs> but you do still have it. Yes, Dad. You know where it is. Yes, Dad. It's just not here. No, Dad. Church, can I ask you, do you have what has been given you? Do you have it? See, it's been given. So it's not like it's sitting up on a shelf and you have to come ask for it. Because of what the Lord God did through his son, Jesus Christ, you have it. Hope, you have it. Riches of a glorious inheritance, you have it. Immeasurable greatness of his power towards us, you have it. It is yours. It is yours. But what's in your hands right now? As the Father asks you, do you have what I've given you? Do you know where it is? Do you hold it? Is it back in the car? Is it back home? Or is it someplace it was never meant to be? And there's now distance that exists between you and what you have been given. So church, as you process that, can you also process this with me today? Can we begin to open our eyes so that we can walk in what it is that we've been given? You know, some of you here this morning might be just brand new in your faith. You might be a newborn and you've opened your eyes and all you can make out is shapes and colors. You know that Jesus lived a sinless life. You know he died on the cross and you know he was raised in three days and sits at the right hand of God and he did it for your sin and that you might have everlasting life. Oof. If that's all you know the remainder of your days, you're going to be okay. But there's so much more. And I want to encourage you to keep walking with us. Keep journeying with us. Because as your eyes develop, the eyes of your heart develop, oh, what the Lord has for you. Through the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, that spirit of wisdom and of revelation, he's going to show you things. And it's going to change you. And then what you will do for the kingdom because of what you now see and know, I'm just going to go ahead and give glory to God for that right now. But for those of you here this morning who have eyes that are pretty fully developed,
can I encourage you? By asking, why are your eyes closed? See, eyes that are open see things. The only way fully developed eyes can't see is when they're closed. Why are your eyes closed? Is it because the enemy has told you that if you open your eyes and if you begin to see what it is that the Lord has for you, you need to understand it. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. And I want you to know that I stand here in this place today and I pray against that lie in the name of Jesus because it is straight from the pit of hell. It is not true. Everything that the Lord has laid out here before you that Paul has explained just in these few verses in this letter is for you. So church, maybe today is the day that we begin to lay this at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I want my eyes to be opened. I want to see you and I want to see what you have for me. Because I trust your word. Your word says it's been given. Now I want it. I want it. I'm tired of being in the dark. I'm tired of stumbling around and trying to feel my way because someone told me I need to close my eyes. Well, Paul's prayer, the church in Ephesus and for us today, is that our eyes would be open so that we would be on the heart, so that our hearts would be enlightened and we could see what the Lord has for us. Because it is all made available to us through Christ Jesus. And who is he? Let's take a look at the last two verses. And he, that is God, put all things under his feet, and that's Christ, and gave him as head over all things to the church. That's us. Which is his body, again, which is us. For the fullness of of him who fills all in all. Church, all things have been placed under the feet of Jesus. If you can think it, if you can name it, if you can dream it, if you can imagine it, it's under his feet. It's his. It's his. And that is the same Jesus through his obedience to his Father has provided you and I with hope and riches and greatness. And this is not about what we deserve. Hallelujah, this is not about what we deserve. This is about what has been provided for us because of God's love for us. And that love is unceasing. That love it's the equivalent of his immeasurable greatness. It's immeasurable. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. I want you to understand that the enemy right now is trying to convince you that no, there's a limit to God's love. If you fill in the blank, God's love stops. Nope. That's a lie. His love is everlasting. His love is immeasurable. And it is for you. Church, I want to invite you to stand with us this morning. If you need to pray, I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come on forward here. You want to pray with somebody. It is why they are here. They are here to pray with you, to pray for you. This is not a space of judgment today. This is a space of freedom. 
because of Jesus Christ. Or if you want to just come and just pray because there's something you want to lay before the Lord today, come and do that. Because we are here. We sit at the feet of the one who reigns above it all, who reigns above everything, names, power, authority, rule, dominion. He reigns above it all. Hallelujah. He reigns above it all.